Hey, this is Alex. And I'm Briley. And you're listening to Financing Ambition, a Laurel Road podcast. Where we'll talk about the financial decisions that you'll face along the road of life with an eye to increasing your financial health and understanding. So today's episode centers around American higher education, paying for that education, the cultural and generational differences that influence our experiences, and we'll have the chance to speak with a baby boomer himself. Okay, Alex, I'm hearing the word boomer a lot these days and often not in the best way. So tell us, what is a boomer? So a boomer was born between 1946 and 1964, post-World War II. We actually did a survey recently targeting boomers and their millennial children. And what it showed was that the millennial children feel a lot of gratitude towards their boomer parents around paying for their education. I'm one of those kids. But before we get into that, Briley, as our resident Kiwi who immigrated here in what year was that? Uh, 2016. What are your experiences in higher education? And also, besides being a sweetly delicious fruit, <laughs> I know where this is going. What is a kiwi in human form? Okay, so despite what you think, it is not named after the uh-huh. fruit. Uh, the name actually derives from a bird. Mm. So, for our listeners who don't know what a kiwi looks like, kiwis are smallish, flightless birds with really long legs and a really long beak. Mm -hmm. It's really cute. Cute. But as someone that's really always been drawn to America, um, my first opportunity to really immerse myself into the culture was through a study abroad program that I did at Texas A&M. You didn't retain the accent at all? (laughs) Not at all, unfortunately. What a shame. So how many universities are there in New Zealand and how do you choose which to attend? So it's a lot uh, simpler in New Zealand. We have about five main universities. Each one specializes in their own degree. So, for example, you'd go to Otago University to do a medical degree or you'd go to Victoria University, which is actually the school I went to if you want a law degree. I do not have a law degree, um, (laughs) but I did decide to go there because it was quite local for me. It really just depends on what's the career path you want to take. So... In America, they encourage a broad liberal arts education as sort of the starting path for figuring out what you want to do with your life. I lived in Europe for a little while, and a lot of my friends there had to make a choice earlier on than Americans often have to. The choice was between trade school or university. I'm just wondering if you as a New Zealander also felt that? Yeah, so there are definitely uh, a couple of different options that you can take out of high school in New Zealand. Uh, One of them is to go to university. Uh, One, again, like you said, is to do a trade and the other is to do your big OE, which is Kiwi lingo for doing your overseas experience. There are Kiwis pack up their bags and they venture off for a year or more, mostly going to the UK and Europe or Australia So very different. For sure. And I know you and I have chatted about this, but it's just interesting to consider like a a profession such as a a plumber, for example, can make a great living. And and that's a trade school profession. And that is something that really is sort of underemphasized in this country. I totally agree. I think higher education isn't for everyone and trades can be a really strong route. My mum and dad always pushed for me to go to college, but it was never really a requirement. If I did want to go, then it was my choice and I actually had to foot the bill. Briley, that's really interesting because recently we polled 500 baby boomer parents who helped a child pay for college and 500 students whose parents helped them pay for college. And we came across a lot of interesting insights about the gratitude and the empathy that both parents and their children have for each other. 
Alex, wouldn't it be great to talk to a baby boomer themselves just to kind of get their perspective? That's a great idea. Why don't we try to get my dad on the phone? Yeah, I'm here. Hi. Hi, Dad. Welcome to the podcast. We're speaking with William B. Lawrence III. He's a senior vice president at a major financial services institution in Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you, Alex. You have the distinct honor of being our very first guest. Can you tell us a bit about your career background and why and how you got into financial services? I had gotten a job right out of college. I knew somebody who helped me get a a job in a field that just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, your, but your mother um, got a job in education. And those faculties used to have faculty parties. There were two young guys that I could identify with. They were financial advisors. And they sort of got me going in that direction because it sounded, A, intellectually interesting and B, uh, financially attractive. So what I do now is I work with both individuals and families. I help them set up long-term savings and investment plans uh, and make tweaks to the plan as their life circumstances change. Great. So here's some context for our conversation today. With student debt topping $1.6 trillion in the United States, many parents are sacrificing their own personal milestones in order to finance their children's college education. As a result, baby boomers like yourself have become the fastest growing carriers of student debt. According to our survey, the majority of parents put their children's education before their own financial needs. So you're part of the baby boomer generation. Did you feel like you were falling in line, so to speak, with what your friends and colleagues were doing for their kids at the time? Well, I I have to say, it's part of our generation's DNA, if you will. If Mm -hmm. you had the good fortune to be raised into a family where your parents went to college, they quite naturally passed along those same aspirations. So when were you in college? I started in 65 and I finished in 69. Got it. So I have a quote from Yahoo Finance. When the oldest boomers were in college in 1964, pretty close to when you graduated, the average annual cost of public school was $243 annually. And the average annual cost of a private school was $1,088. According to Northwestern University's website, where I went, Undergrad tuition increased 3.9% last year to a whopping $56,232. It's just fascinating to think about the growth in college tuition over the years and what could be spurning that growth. So what is your reaction to this massive rise in college tuition? First of all, it is really hard to fathom how public schools back in 1964 cost $243 a year. That's, that's staggering. Yeah, I agree. But everybody knows that there's a cost of living uh, increase, inflationary pressures, put the price of everything up with the passage of time, whether it's a gallon of gasoline, a gallon of milk. And so in one sense, to have um, tuition rise, at least at an inflation rate, is, is quite normal and expected. However, you will note that most tuition inflation is at least double the uh, increases in what I'll call the consumer price index. It's a troubling facet of today's modern uh, educational system. That's true, and it's really quite staggering. So going back to the 1960s, was cost even a consideration for you when deciding on where you should or if you should go to college? Cost was not a consideration, to be honest with you. And I have to tell you, 
there were expectations that my parents would pay for them. My parents stepped up. There was mm-hmm. a little dinner time around the table discussion about how how they were going to meet those bills. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that my parents were not going to pay any of my personal expense, and that that's the way it played out, for which I was very grateful. I'm sure you were, as I have been as well. There is, I think, a real appreciation for the sacrifices of the boomer generation on our behalf. From your perspective, was it more a practical decision to pay for my education or an emotional one? Well, of course, you love your children, but it was practical uh, in the sense that there was an overlay of conviction that a good education would lead you to a higher quality of life. And the Mm -hmm. higher quality of life wasn't strictly economic, but it just meant that you would be much better with the benefit of that extra four or six years, not just of education, but of the chance to personally mature and grow up. Yeah, sure. Makes sense. So if you had to do it all over again, given the costs of education today, would you, even if it meant taking out debt on my behalf? I would absolutely do it again. But the thing to keep in mind is that in my generation, um, we, we were married first year out of college and then we so we had two professional salaries coming in in 71 that was about eight thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. but the cost of living was a lot lower and then we had 11 years till we had children we were dinks double income no kids dinks i don't believe we're too familiar with that one as millennials but i like it so it was a matter of saving enough to be able to put you and your sister College. That's interesting to hear. And, and uh, the $8,000 annual salary sort of puts it all into context. And it certainly is interesting to consider how my generation's delaying milestones such as marriage might have an impact on our finances versus boomers who tended to marry earlier. I mentioned before I was a performing artist, I wanted to be an opera singer, and you supported that dream of mine wholeheartedly, and I had a professional career as a result. So were you glad that I was pursuing my passion rather than a career influenced by other factors like money, stability, employability? I was very glad that you were pursuing your passions with regards to a, uh, a, a career path. I mean, you know, I had been by that at that time, 25 years or so in the workaday world, and I could see the attraction of pursuing something other than just making money. So I was very glad to support that. It's a courage, belief in yourself, self-confidence. Those things are worthwhile pursuing in my judgment. And remember, we had two professional salaries coming in. So we as parents were able to afford helping you pursue your passion. I certainly felt that. So while both parents and students agree that young people should prioritize passions over earning potential, when they weighed the cost versus quality of education, students ranked cost to be the top consideration when selecting a college, which was surprising to me. Parents' considerations are more in line with their priorities. They ranked the quality of the degree program as the most important consideration. That was 41%. Do you agree? Well, it's unequivocal that from my perspective, um, a degree from the best school that you can possibly get admitted to and graduate from was really, really important. And it may not be important when you're 21, 22, 23, but you leapfrog ahead 20 or 30 years, and the benefits of a degree from a top-tier school become more and more apparent. And I suppose I could say, now that you're X number of years out, do you feel the same? 
It certainly opened a lot of doors for me. I mean, yeah. that goes back to the fact that we chose the school based on quality versus um, cost. And obviously, I think that was the right decision because it has, in fact, paid off. I, I agree. Now, we recognize that it simply is not a reality for many Americans who don't have the support I was fortunate enough to have to choose whichever school they wish to go to without considering cost. There is a lot of criticism of higher education's profit models, rising costs that is very justified. However, it's equally important to remind ourselves that higher education can still offer a lot, and we hope there's a way to make it more accessible for more Americans, really as it ought to be. Now, here's the statistic you like. 60% of students would pay their parents back immediately if they won the lottery instead of first buying themselves a house. All right. To be honest, I, I would be one of those people and um, say, if I won the lottery, uh, what color BMW would you like? And can it be can it be a sports car this time rather than those boring old hatchbacks you always commit to? Well, I think your mother, your mother would like a lake house. So let's put cars, cars out to pasture and let's... Uh, get her a, a lake house. That sounds like a great alternative. That benefits me as well. So it's on. You got it. In all seriousness, though, I'm very grateful for all the experiences I was afforded by yours and mom's generosity. And we are, as a generation, I think, as this survey has expressed, very grateful for the help the boomer generation has given us. Um, now, I've also had the good fortune of you helping me learn about the stock market. So before we say goodbye, since you're an expert in this, I'd love to get your top two or three pieces of advice for my generation when it comes to managing our money, because we're not so great at that. Okay. The first thing that I would say is you really need to start early so that you get the benefit of compounding over long periods of time. I think it was Albert Einstein who said compound interest was the eighth wonder of the world. Through life, there's always these competing uh, expenditures that come along that provide much more immediate gratification. Well, you got to get over that mindset and you got to start early by having a good financial services firm slash mutual fund, set it up, get it going on autopilot, and then you'll wake up in 15 or 20 years and you'll have a meaningful sum of money. As a second point, I will simply point out that over every 10-year period in history, it's at least 80% of the time you made money by investing in common stocks. And if you think about those long term and don't get so hung up on, well, is the Dow up 100? Is it down 100? And as a backdrop, just know the longer the time you stretch out this investment period, the higher the probability is that you'll make money and have a nice outcome. So thanks for being with us, Dad. We've learned much from your generation and really sincerely appreciate the advice. So thanks again. Okay, and thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed myself today. So, Briley, what are your thoughts about this? What's your reaction, particularly as an immigrant, to my father's perspectives as an American baby boomer? Anything surprising, not surprising? Yeah, so my first reaction is I'm just reminded that there are so many people that aren't able to pursue their high education dreams due to the cost. I mean, could you imagine how many people would be in college right now if the cost of tuition was $254? I know, I know. So... You had to pay yourself. Was that something that worried you when you were younger? Did you think, 
Uh, how am I going to be able to afford this? Or was it something that just seemed affordable because of the reasonable tuition? So the difference is that our college fees are standardized. So our schooling was about $8,000 to attend mm-hmm. per year. And on top of that, our student loans were interest free. Wow. So I was able to take out these student loans knowing that, yes, I would be paying them back, but I'm not going to be paying back more than what I originally owed. So that's interesting because in today's dollars, tuition in 1973 for a private American university was 9876 per year. Pretty close wow. to the annual tuition in New Zealand today. I would say also I really appreciate the emphasis that your parents put on your education and the support that they gave you to follow your aspirations. Um, you know, yours wasn't so conventional and wanting to be an opera singer. No. So one question is, Will we get you to sing on the podcast? Why, of course. <laughs> no, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> it's so, been a while. But, you know, I'll, give, I'll do what I can. Now, if that doesn't make you subscribe, then I just don't know what will. Maybe some Kiwis. <laughs> so, Briarly, I, I also thought the investment advice was terrific stuff. You know, we live in such a instant gratification day and age. So I think it was really important to be reminded of how important it is to, to not purchase everything that comes our way and to not give into every subscription or service because that long haul is really where we see the benefits. Yes, I need your dad on speed dial. (laughs) (laughs) I'll set that up for you. So Briarly, thanks for being here today. And I think we had a really robust conversation around the state of American education. And we hope you'll join us for the next episode on the gig economy and making a side hustle work for you. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please hit subscribe. To learn more about what we've spoken about today, visit laurelroad.com slash podcast. We'd also love to hear your thoughts and feedback for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at laurelroad.com. Let's get the legal out of the way. Laurel Road is a brand of KeyBank NA, member FDIC and equal housing lender, NMLS number 399797. Any opinions, findings, and conclusions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of KeyBank. In providing this information, KeyBank is not acting as your agent or is offering any tax, financial, accounting, or legal advice.